Welcome to Conversations About Care, a podcast for pediatric clinical providers. Hi, this is Sandy Hassan, and I'm the Medical Director for the American Academy of Pediatrics Institute for Healthy Childhood Weight. And I'm excited to share today's conversation, which is part of our Clinical Practice Guideline Implementation Series. Throughout this series, you'll be able to hear from pediatricians across the country, many of whom have been instrumental in developing the CPG or who have been out there in practice and working on obesity care and treatment. Our hope is that you can listen to these conversations and be inspired to think about how you might be able to integrate or improve obesity care and treatment within your practice. Stay tuned. So welcome everyone to our podcast today, and it is my pleasure to introduce our conversation with Dr. Tareen Sadiqwa, who is a primary care pediatrician from Houston, Texas. Tareen is a board-certified pediatrician in obesity medicine, and she has an abiding interest in providing personalized and tailored care for her patients, an interest in QI and advocacy. And Tareen, welcome to our podcast today. Thank you so much, Dr. Hassan. Thank you uh, for having me here. And, you know, it is my pleasure to, to be here. So as, as you know, I, I usually like to start out our podcast by asking our conversation partners how they got interested in uh, children and taking care of children with obesity. So can you share with our audience how, how you got interested here in children with obesity? I think I've always been interested in it just because um, I, I am a child with obesity as well. So um, whenever children come in and, you know, they're talking about their family environment or like them being the, the one child in the, in the house who gains weight or, or whatnot, I, I empathize and I know where they're coming from. And so I've always had that tendency to, to have a liking for that. And um, during COVID, we start to notice that everybody, first of all, they weren't coming in for checkups. But when they did come back in for checkups, we start to notice like that increase in uh, weight velocity um, just within that short time frame. And, and so that's when I became even more interested in the fact of that I want to actually get trained in this instead of just, you know, having a conversation, seeing where they are and you know, giving them like basic principles, like, okay, let's see, can we eat right and whatnot, but I actually wanted to get like proper training. And so in 2021, I just, I looked into like the pathway of how to get obesity, uh, certified in obesity and medicine. And so you can do like a fellowship route or you could do, um, you know, take the test and I took the test option. So I took the Harvard course in the summer and then I, I took the test in the fall. So that was a 2021. And so that's basically um, my pathway. And it's something that it's very, very rewarding to me. I think it's something that is core in pediatrics is um, obesity management, because that is pretty much the number one prevention to all the metabolic pathways as adults. So if we can help children like learn from the beginning or even starting with the mom in the womb, basically, that would be the ideal situation. Um, then, then the lifelong impact on that person is, is just phenomenal. So, you know, I was really struck by your use of the word reward, that it's rewarding for you because I always felt the same way. Can you just talk a little bit about that feeling of reward? How do you feel rewarded? What are the rewards you get? Because obesity uh, care can be, you know, we're in it for the long haul. Uh, people can find it kind of tiring. So can you talk a little bit about how you're feeling rewarded by doing this? 
Um, so I think for all of us, if we're pediatricians, <laughs> we go into it with the mindset that we really want to help uh, make an impact, um, you know, in somebody's life. So it it kind of, and I, you know, I don't want to make a generalized statement, but um, in general, the trend has become that we're we're just like okay, we're going to go see this patient after patient after patient. And then here's my, you know, things that I have to go through. And it's, it's a redundancy. And um, you you feel like at the end of the day, like, did I even make any difference? Did I, did I have any impact on this person? And so that impact and that difference comes with the connection that you make during your visits. And so it's just coming back to that point that, um, when you're able to connect at a deeper level, going through not just like, oh, let me just tell you this is what you need to do, ABC, here's a 5210, like, let's just, <laughs> let's just run through it. And then now I need to go through, you know, allergy stuff and, and whatnot, all the different things that you're trying to hit. Um, but just going and sitting and listening and like really listening and going from what they tell you. And then realizing that it's not really what I say, it's what they say. And then going with that and meeting them there and then seeing if they're wanting to have help in that aspect. And then when you're trying to help them with what they want help on, you realize like, okay, and you see they're excited, they want to do it. And that's really rewarding to me was when I see that, okay, that person is really excited about this visit. We're having a really positive momentum coming out of this visit. And, and then we're seeing them, you know, in follow-up and whatnot. And they're just like, oh, let me tell you about all these things, you know, and I'll have all these other questions. And so that for me is like, you know, super rewarding because now I feel like, okay, I've actually impacted this person's life. And it's taken me out of this like mundane, like circular, like I guess what a lot of us start to feel going into practice is that you start to get a sense of burnout because we're not having that human connection that that I think as majority of us pediatricians, this is why we go in there because this is what we love is that connection. I think it's very beautiful what you said. I always felt that the relationship was really key for me, the relationship with my patient. So, you know, many people say to me, well, Sandy, how do you even start this conversation? You know, you you're you're really, I think, on point to say you listen, but you have to get the conversational ball rolling. So could you share with our listeners some of the ways in which you, you know, you might be seeing a patient back after a long time and you see there's been some, some weight gain. How do you, how do you start this conversation rolling? So, for, so first of all, like we also have to be very like mindful that like, where is this person right now? Um, because you can like, like, Hey, you know, um, like, let's talk about it, but if they're not really right now at the, at the moment of their life where this is of any importance because they've had some major trauma in their life. Um, I think I'm not like this, the past few years has been a very extraordinary year, a couple of years for many people due to, due to like familial losses, um, housing issues. We've had some people go homeless. So it's just a very different circumstance. So just, first of all, just doing your general stuff that you do, like, how are you doing? Like, update me on life, you know? Like, trying to make that reconnection of, like, what's going on in their life. Um, and then that kind of lets, like, lets you know that is this something that, you know, could be a waste of time right now for, for this person potentially, you know? Um, or Or is this something, like, we can move forward with talking about? So... I will usually say that, you know, um, 
you know, we always go through growth curves and that's always like a fun time for the kids. And um, I actually even will say that I'll ask the person, because especially if I know that it's something they don't enjoy to go over, <laughs> um, I will actually ask the person that, is it okay that we go through your growth curves? You know, do you want to see your stats and, you know, how, you, how, how you've grown since the last time I saw you? So if they're like, I really don't want to see it, I don't want to talk about it. I, I just tell them right there that I just want to let you know that I'm here when you do want to talk about it, you know, and you have a lot of stuff going on in your life right now. And I'm here when you want to talk about it. Um, if they do want to talk about it, um, I do it very like pragmatically. I don't have any emotion towards it <laughs> because mm -hmm. it is what it is, you know? Um, and so, um, so I'll just show like, okay, so we can see here since the last time, maybe the velocity has, has gone up or something, you know, and I leave it to them. I was like, you know, what, what, what do you think, um, has happened, you know? And they'll usually, mm -hmm. they're, they'll usually straight up just tell you, um, you mm -hmm. know, um, what, what, what they think is the issue. Um, and so that's how we kind of like open up the conversation. So I, I never just like go into it. I always try to just initially just keep it really open-ended, see how the family is doing at the moment of time that we're talking about it and then asking permission to, to discuss. And I've actually had just very few people saying that they don't want to discuss. The majority of the pa parents and the kids are, are wanting to know and they already know, <laughs> they already know. Yeah. Um, and so it makes it easier to bridge that gap. You know, I get the feeling that you're really in listening mode here. And I think by asking permission, you really, and we all have found this out as we move through our motivational interviewing by asking permission is so powerful because it gives autonomy to the patient. Um, and I, I think that's such a powerful gift to give them. Uh, we're here to listen and to, to really address the problems that, that you would like to talk about today. So, you know, I, I was thinking about um, your, your journey into uh, obesity and a little deeper into obesity. How are, have you restructured or do you structure your practice in any particular way to either maybe cohort kids with obesity or do you have any particular way of, of addressing that or do you just work them right into your primary care flow? How, how do you do that? So up until last month, it was just me. <laughs> and so um, so we were actually in the planning phase of this right now. And I'm like really super excited because I'm like, okay, I can actually organize this a little bit better. Um, so what we were doing previously was the last patient of, of the day was always somebody that was coming back for, for obesity counseling. And um, the reason is because so, and there's, there, so, once we first initially talk about it, um, it's like a segue. And what I and I and this is a, has evolved. So when I first started, really, um, like in twenty twenty one, when um, when I became you know board certified in obesity medicine versus now, like how I practice, it's like evolved tremendously. Um, so initially, I, I I would just you know like try to see how much can I get into this checkup and whatnot, and then these visits, um, and I'm not even exaggerating when I'm saying this, but these are like going over an hour. And um, I think it was like a burnout for the patients, a burnout for me. Um, and, um, and really uh, what, I ca what I came to realize is um, it's, it's almost like a coaching technique where you learn that over a time frame that is just like, like small steps that you can consistently do 
um, including myself. What can I do like small micro bites? Cause we don't want to overwhelm each other. Like I don't want to overwhelm you and I don't want to overwhelm me. And so mm-hmm. when we have our initial visits, whatever it's for, and then later on, they decide that hey, I, I do want like to go deeper into this. Um, I do want to initially start off with lifestyle or whatever they decide that, however they want to proceed. Um, we now have like intake forms. And so this is separate from like their regular intake form. So they could be my patient for the past 10 years. I've seen them in the nursery, but this is going to go into a little more details about like related to obesity. Some of these things, you know, uh, you had uh, Dr. Katie Queen for our last uh, CPG. I think it was the webinar, I think a couple of weeks ago, but yeah. she had actually connected, um, back in 2021 because <laughs> i think we got started at the same time and then um we also connected at the advocacy conference it was just fun because like we have like multiple connections um but she actually had shared her intake forms with me and i kind of liked uh, just revise them just a little bit for a couple of things that like, i felt for our patient population um and so we give those as initial intakes and then just like how are their habits around um you know how do they eat when do they eat um their moods around their eating all of those things so there's a lot of initial intake that i let the family take home and i was like if you can fill it out and then this way this allows me to look at it and review it before they come in for their initial mm-hmm. so this has made i don't like that this go a little bit better and faster because i already have an idea of of what the environment is for the child, as well as like, you know, um, the family history of obesity and whatnot. Um, and, and so that has helped tremendously in shortening my, my, um, duration of visits. Um, and then it also serves as something as when we're looking at follow-ups and seeing as has our habit, have our habits changed, like healthy habits over time. Right. And so then this, mm-hmm. this really helps because then we get the same questionnaires again. And he's like, okay, look at how much your, your, your habits have changed, you know? Um, so it's always fun to have something like objective that they can like fill out as a questionnaire and see, it's kind of like, you know, whatever, um, questionnaires that we have, like a PHP nine or whatever, and just seeing how the numbers change over time. Um, so so that's how I've been doing it is that we'll have the last patient of the day um, as such. And then now, because that volume has increased quite a bit on um, the people that we have coming back for follow-ups and it's kind of surprising to me because I was thinking initially, like, they're not going to come, but they've been coming. And so now I'm actually going to take out like a half, half day clinic. So, so it's just, it, it's one of those things that, um, I don't have like a core setup of like how am I'm, I'm just changing and, and moving along and creating my schedule as I'm seeing it, the program itself is evolving and as I'm seeing the interest changing. And then our pediatricians that, um, so we've actually, we hired two pediatricians on the spot together, which is kind of like a bold move on the private practice side, but we're also helping them get up to par on this as well. And so majority of us that, cause you know, we, I graduated like 2009 <laughs> from So majority of us, you know, at that moment that when we graduated at that time, we didn't really didn't get much of like nutrition background, um, or obesity, um, type training. And so these pediatricians coming on board now are also kind of like similar timeline as me as well, as far as our time frames that we've been out of residency. And so it's just getting everybody on board and, and very mm-hmm. comfortable with, with management. And I think people feel embarrassed to talk about it. And, you know, I think the bias, the stigma, all that stuff, like we all carry it, you know? So I think mm-hmm. internally just working on it as us first initially providers is looking within ourselves and seeing 
what is it that, what are our internal biases? What do we stigmatize? And because of that, are we stopping ourselves from helping somebody because of, of, of what we have internally, you know, stored in? So, so, but we're working on that as a, as a group. And so then hopefully then we can also see everybody else's schedule evolving where they can also start to have these initials and these follow-ups on their schedules. And so, cause I have one, one pediatrician who's like, oh, I just, I just transfer everybody out. <laughs> like, you can do yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. That's like the so, whole practice. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, I'm so fascinated because it sounds like when you, hi- you hired your new pediatricians that they, they're, they're conveying to them that this was an interest of yours and we were going to work on this as a group and obesity wasn't going anywhere, we're going to try to deal with it in the practice. Is that what you sort of conveyed to them, that here we are and we're going to tackle this? Yes. They, and they, so one of them, we went to residency together. She kind of knows me from before. And then another one actually, um, so I do, this is like a side, side line. <laughs> so I do sometimes like post on TikTok. And, um, and so she saw, saw me online and, um, and so I have a lot of postings on obesity. So she already knew that like coming in as well. And so they all kind of had that feeling about me. So, um, it's just very nice <laughs> that they kind of knew that. Mm-hmm. That, that is great. And, you know, you did mention working on weight bias and stigma. Um, have you worked on that with your staff too? I know you're a small practice, but, you know, in, in getting people sort of up to speed and addressing that. So this, this is probably the most challenging thing because, so when we start, like a couple years ago, when we started off with the, with the initial QIs and, and then now onto this QI, like the staff is completely overturned. <laughs> you know, like, so yeah. 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 Like, and um, I mean, maybe we've retained like two, two like core staffings, you know, during that time frame. But unfortunately this is like a post COVID phenomenon that we're having a really hard time uh, maintaining staffing. And so it's just training, retraining, um, and then mm. people bring in, um, like, so they bring in habits from previous practices and whatnot. And, um, and so that is, that is definitely a challenge. Um, you know, we have now, so when we have, um, our new staff come in, we have like a booklet that they go through to to make sure that we're all in line like okay this is how you take a blood pressure is this is how you take a weight and all that stuff mm-hmm. like that we've added all those other things into it since um like so we've revised mm-hmm. it so we're like okay like can we make sure that we you know have them facing away from the weight scale and we put like a little positive imagery so kind of like allows them to see the the positive imagery away from the weight um mm-hmm. just basic little things um our patients that come in for uh follow-up on um uh, you know, we call it like healthy habits practice. So um, when our patients are coming on that, we just have them also get like a waist circumference just because um, the waist to hip yeah. issue is what I, what we use more versus like really, you know, their uh, weight. Um, I, I also, you know, um, show that, but that is more important on the, on the waist. So, um, so just rate training and retraining on how to get accurate measurements on that. It's just like, whenever you have staff and you're trying to get them a good, get a, a consistent, good FOC. And you're like, okay, why is this FOC like five centimeters less than last time? <laughs> you know? so. yeah. Well, so, you know, uh, Irene, you're, you're doing um, what I would call a lot of internal advocacy within your own practice here. And I, I think that's tremendous. And I have often thought that it's hard to be uh, interested in taking care and committed to taking care of children with obesity without at heart 
being an advocate. And is that how you're seeing yourself uh, as as an advocate here? Um, I hope I I hope I can. Um, you know, so kids are just special in that sense because they they really can't advocate for themselves. You know, whether it's a in in most levels, right? Even in their household or um, their school wide level, like it's the adults that have to create. You know, like a safe haven basically for them. Um, so we're, we are, and as pediatricians, that's definitely the core of who we are, right? Like we are the advocates for these yeah. kids. Um, we are their voice. And so we have to stand up for them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, you've, you've alluded to QI and we've worked on QI. How, how can you just uh, tell our audience, you know, how you feel about QI and, and, and your approach to QI and maybe some of the things that, you might have gotten out of some of the collaboratives you've worked in? So definitely. So um, I, I found like this to me was just like, oh my gosh, like like groundbreaking that it's funny because you would think that I would know like, okay, this healthy institute exists and whatnot, but it's, it's just not even like even being exposed, like, oh my gosh, like they have all these modules or CMEs and all of this information is like this wealth of knowledge, just even being in the know, like I didn't know, like all these things are there. So you could be a part of AAP and whatnot, but like, so I'm going to speak on my, on, on my viewpoint because I am a private practitioner. Uh, we are, you know, affiliated with hospitals and stuff like that, but we're not like an academic institution. And so a lot of these things we may not have, you know, known like, okay, this, this resource exists for us over here. And so mm -hmm. there's just wealth of knowledge, wealth of resources that just like right there and you just go through and a lot of the stuff that you're just like, oh, how do I do this? How do I do that? I mean, it's already there, you know? And so it's like, you don't need to like rebuild stuff like, oh, um, what's a good, you know, scale or whatever. I mean, all these recommendations are there. Um, things like motivational interviewing, I had like zero, zero knowledge on that. And I feel like that is one of the, the biggest um, opportunities that I had as far as, you know, trying to help my patients because as physicians, we're always like, okay, you have an ear infection, this is what you need to do. And, you know, like yeah. we just tell them. And, and so th this was something that was uh, like the, the, like one of the biggest things I needed to learn was how to listen. I know it sounds very, very basic, but really, how do I listen to you? And and not just like listening, but like comprehending and <laughs> what you're telling me. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, so uh, so that that I found very beneficial um, through you know the I've, I've done like two QIs through the uh, Healthy Institute. So through those um, in in practicing and practicing and practicing and practicing. So it doesn't come easily. So being mindful that we have our old habits. And so like, we cannot expect that we're going to change something unless we start to like, you have to create that change. Like a change doesn't just happen with you being the same. And that's kind of like what I see as far as what, what QI is, is that, okay, like I want this to get done, but that's my magical thinking. Like, it's just going to get done. Like, <laughs> it's just not going to get done, you know? And then, yeah. <laughs> like we have all of our like busy schedules we have all of this and so qi offers that like i am gonna dedicate some time to like really improve and and it, it's almost like a self-coaching right like i am gonna i'm gonna try this out i'm gonna coach it and we're gonna do the small little thing start off with what's good what's our strengths what can we improve on this and and it's really working on yourself working on the practice and just really nurturing it because that it, at the end of the day, that improvement that you have in your office 
through through these exercises just it's, it's so beneficial you know like i also we have really evolved um in how we you know the quality of care that we offer for our patients um in the past couple of years through these qis um so i love it and i think everybody should do it <laughs> you know <laughs> just, like yeah, it's a reset that is what it is it's a reset and we get complacent into our our regular cycles of doing things and and um and we wish we could and if we had the time we could and the thing is that we all have 24 hours and we all have however many years of experience or whatnot but time is like you know it is like you know it's like a cliche right like you know it, everybody has time and people are going to take time away from you so you have to create that time so you want to create a change you have to you have to create that time for you and you have to figure out what am i going to do and how am i going to test it so um and i just love the collaborative so meeting um you know as as groups as clinics and just seeing how what everybody else is doing like the last um collaborative we have you know y'all were talking about like ymca and i was like in and out of out of that webinar but um but i've had a really difficult time actually getting in touch with our ymcas um but i i, I decided that i'm just gonna show up so <laughs> right yeah because yeah, everybody else has, has YMCA, you know, uh, hookups. I'm like, yep. I need to get some hookups for my patients. So. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for that. I I think that QI is powerful in so many of the ways that you, you've outlined. Uh, it creates, uh, if you commit to it, you have created a space for change. And I love what you said about, you know, if, if you want change, we have to be, we have to change and we have to change what we're doing uh, to get uh, new results. And um, I think that when I first started QI a, a long time ago, the, the idea of, oh, I, I can look at data on my own practice was almost revolutionary for me to think, oh, I can do things, look at data, analyze the data, make change on that basis was, was revolutionary and reassuring. You know, it gave me something objective to look at and some way to, to know if I was making progress. And I often think about our patients is that in some way, we're also helping our patients make that kind of change, you know, with our goal setting. We set goals and we help them look at how they achieve their goals and which is really data on how they're doing. And I think that process is so robust. And uh, we're coming to the, uh, the end of our time. And I just wanted to ask you, is there anything that you, we haven't touched on that you would like to just share with our audience about anything, pediatrics, uh, taking care of children with obesity, pretty much anything you'd like to share with our audience. Um, I don't, I don't, so what I, I think, and I'm sharing this with myself too, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just that, you know, um, like take things like very, you know, like slow, you know, um, I think we're always trying to get to that end point really fast and beating ourselves up. We take this like all or nothing response. And I think as physicians, we have, um, we have that expectation, like, you know, like it has to be perfect from the beginning. And so that achieving, like trying to achieve that perfection sometimes hinders us from even starting because it's like too much to even start. So, um, so whatever it is that you're trying to do within your practice, whether it's like, okay, I just want to uh, maybe, you know, start to um, help kids more with obesity or whatever you want to change and implement, just know, like, it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be 
anything phenomenal and you may fail and that's okay. And it's not really a failure because it, what it is, is like, you're learning, right? It's a learning tool. And so, um, so it's, 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 it's just, don't be scared and just start and a little bit of change that, that adds up. So well said, I think we can apply that. I certainly can apply that to my practice and my life <laughs> about, uh, how you move forward in making small change. And I so thank you for taking time out of your busy uh, schedule and your, uh, to share with us your experience and taking care of these wonderful children with obesity that we're, we're so committed to. And thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much, Sandy, for having me. It's my absolute pleasure. Thank you for listening to my conversation today. I hope that you were able to take away some practical strategies on how to move obesity care and treatment forward in your practice. As a reminder, there are many resources to support your capacity building and CPG implementation efforts, which you can find on our website, www.ap.org slash obesity CPG. resources, or opinions expressed during the Conversations About Care podcast series are solely those of the individuals and do not necessarily represent those of the American Academy of Pediatrics. The topics included in these podcasts do not indicate an exclusive course of treatment or serve as a standard of medical care. Variations, taking into account individual circumstances, may be appropriate. The primary purpose of this podcast is to explore common themes related to quality pediatric care from the perspective of clinicians. This podcast series does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. This podcast is available for private, non-commercial use only. Advertising, which is incorporated into, placed in association with, or targeted toward the content of this podcast without the expressed approval and knowledge of the American Academy of Pediatrics podcast developers is forbidden. You may not edit, modify, or redistribute this podcast.